All right, it is good to be back to being uh, one church in two locations, so great to have Allen Park open. Welcome to you if it is your first time here, whether you're seeking God or you're searching for a church home. Glad that you're with us. Good to have the kids in here for a while longer. We don't know how long that's going to go on, but we're glad that you guys are, are here. And welcome to you if you are with us online. Really glad that you're joining us. But boy, we really hope that you're able to show up in person very soon as well. Uh, nothing like being together among God's people. And there's plenty of room to spread out. In fact, this is the last week where you have to sign up online. Beginning next week, you don't have to register online anymore. Just show up in person. We'll check in at the door, make sure you know not sick and, and you haven't been exposed to anybody. And uh, we're not going to be having services on Saturday, uh, the 4th of July, this next weekend only, okay? So no Saturday. So we are happy that you're here, but you may not be so happy for a variety of reasons. Because if you saw this survey that came out not that long ago, um, taken during uh, the pandemic, showed that Americans are generally unhappy. In fact, I think it was 38% said they are very unhappy or depressed. I mean, no kidding with, you know, all the sickness and the death and the isolation and the loneliness and the business loss and the job loss, financial loss. I mean, you name it, we've been, we've been through the ringer. And this survey was taken before all the nationwide, you know, unrest and protests and rioting and everything after the killing of George Floyd. So you can imagine even more people are unhappy now. And I got to admit, I was, I was driving down the road with my wife and I kind of checked through a, a mental list of things I'm unhappy about. I was like, I'm unhappy about things in our country. I'm unhappy about things in Christianity, frankly. I'm unhappy about things in churches. I'm unhappy about things in our own church. I'm unhappy about things in our family. Now, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you to walk out of here going, oh, man, what, that was great. Um, things could be worse. Uh, I mean, look around the world. And we've got plenty to be thankful and positive about. But let's be real. There's also plenty to be unhappy about. And according to that survey, uh, Americans are unhappier than they've been in the past 50 years, which is as long or longer than many of us can even remember. In fact, I think it was only 14%. 14% said they're very happy. In fact, the, the survey talked about how this has been, there's a lack of optimism, which we would call it more like a lack of hope. People don't have a hope for a better future right now. They've lost that. and They've they found that the things that they had placed their hope in has failed them. Uh, the things that they thought were going to make them happy haven't really made them that happy. Unfortunately, some have just resigned themselves, given up and, and said, well, let's just survive, and this is as good as it gets. This is good enough. It is what it is. And it takes me back to the time of James Stockdale. I, lo I love the story of all those v POWs in the Vietnam War that were in the Hanoi Hilton. You know, they were kept prisoners. Uh, Stockdale was shot down in his jet September 9, 1965. And uh, for the next seven and a half years, was kept a prisoner in North Korea, or, or North Vietnam, rather, uh, being tortured, being beaten. You know, his leg had been severely hurt and was denied medical treatment. Now, what Stockdale did was he was, he was a senior guy in command as a POW, so he put together this code of conduct for how the, the, the secret communications were supposed to go, for torture, be, for behaviors and all that. And in fact, at one point, he was being chained in leg irons in a bathroom stall for a long time, tortured and beaten. And they told him that they were going to use him in a parade as propaganda. And so he took a razor and slit on his uh, scalp so that they couldn't use him in that way. Now, Stockdale said a lot of the guys didn't make it through that time in Hanoi because they had basically given up hope. In fact, in, in his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins interviewed Admiral Stockdale 
And he talked about his coping strategy. Here's his quote. He says, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade, which blows my mind. Anybody wouldn't trade in seven and a half years of torture for almost anything else. But this becomes a powerful principle that we can use today. In fact, it's, it's been called the Stockdale Paradox. Here, here's, here's the quote that applies. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can't afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now look, guys, I'm not trying to compare what we're going through this season that we're in in comparison to what Stockdale went through, all right? No, no real comparison. But I think that principle, that paradox, applies to our lives and to our world today. Because you think about how Stockdale worked to make the other guy's lives better there. How was he able to do that? How was he able, in the midst of his own seemingly hopeless situation, reach out to these other guys? It's because he looked toward the end that he would prevail in the end. And that's what gave him the ability to face the current brutal reality he was facing because he knew this was not the end. Things would get better. And I, I think we have placed our hope often in the wrong things or we have hope, lost hope altogether and just given up on it and we can't face the brutal facts of what we're going through, which is why we're so unhappy and depressed. We're th we think that's all we can see is what's around us right now. We can't see beyond that. Did, did you watch a few weeks ago, I love this, the, the launch of that Falcon 9 manned rocket launch, right? We hadn't been in space for a long time, and so finally we got to watch a rocket launch, and exciting stuff, I thought, pretty cool. But I think that's because people are always looking for something better beyond, right? That's what spurred a lot of space travel, is hopefully there's something better out there. In fact, in ancient times, people would actually worship the planets and the stars, thinking there's something better out there. And today we just try to travel to them, thinking maybe we probably need a good exit strategy for when things really get bad down here. We need to get out of here. But right now we are reeling in the season of a pandemic, economic, social, uh, political upheaval. Okay, there's, things are bad right now in a lot of ways, but did you realize things weren't so great before for a long time? I mean, did you realize that depression was already like its own epidemic? That suicide is one of the leading killers of our young people. It has been for quite a while now. Did you realize that genocide is going on in some other nations? That even now, there are thousands of people being sold into slavery in various parts of the world. That the family has been under attack and fatherless homes are an epidemic as well. That our littlest humans, our babies, are not even regarded as human anymore, but have been discarded as trash. That the elderly are no longer considered useful, and so it's becoming more acceptable that they just off themselves early. Yet, many people seem to be okay with all that. Like, oh, it was all right. Um, we, were, we were fine. You know, it is what it is. Good enough. And what I'm hoping in this series is that we will begin to dream of something better beyond. 
that a, a, a new reality where things really are better, where injustice is abolished, where true freedom is really experienced, and families are restored, and people of various backgrounds and races actually do love each other, that, that truth is honored and goodness is valued. And, and look, I, do you, I don't think we're going back to the way the world was before. Do you agree? I don't think we're going back there. And maybe we don't want to go back there completely because maybe there's something better ahead. I mean, over the next five weeks, I want us to be prepared to re-enter this new reality, whatever it looks like, and hope for something better. But understand, I'm not saying let's, let's work for some humanistic utopia on earth because that ain't going to happen. Every time people try to set up paradise on earth, it ends up a nightmarish dystopia because they try to do it apart from God. And I'm telling you that we're not going to get to that better place through more social solutions or political systems or legal force. It's only going to come through a change of heart. And only Jesus can do that. So it starts with this big idea. Don't settle for good enough. Cry out to God for more. I think good enough is is the enemy of what God wants to do, right? Because when he created the world, he didn't say, it is good enough. He said, it is very good. And when Jesus came, he said, I want to give you life that is good enough. No, life to the full. We've been seduced with good enough. We thought things were good enough because we, we have our house and our two cars and our kids have education. We were comfortable. And then everything has come to a screeching halt. And yes, it's bad in a lot of ways, but maybe this is opportunity. Maybe this is a bit of a reboot. Makes us stop and consider maybe good enough really wasn't good enough. Maybe there's something better. We, we, we've all cried out during this season for something better because of, again, all the death and the sickness, because of, of the lost employment and lost businesses, the isolation and the loneliness and uh, the injustice and the lawlessness and the violence and the anger and the hate and the bitterness. And those cries demonstrate that we, we expect that there should be something better. That we, it, it indicates that we believe that goodness and justice really do exist. Why do we think that? If, if, if we're just here as accidents, it just is what it is. But if, if we think that it ought to be better, then that indicates there's a God. That there's a standard out there that we haven't reached yet. We're, that longing, that desire is put there by God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them. Look around. Because God's made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, they have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So we know there's a God. We know that there's something better. And then beyond the, the externals out there God created, He put within us this thing called a conscience. So we have this internal witness that there really is such a thing as truth and goodness and beauty. Where do those ideas come from if not from God? They, they are meant to point us to God, and yet people suppress that truth. And they look around, and they say, you know what? Things are good enough, and I'm good enough. Don't really need God. All I really need to do is to look inside and follow my heart and reform the systems, and we'll be good. No, we will not. 
You know why? Because sin is in every system and it always will be because every system is made up of people. And people are fallen and corrupted and sinful. And so, yes, police officers are, are, are fallen and they will let you down. And so do pastors. And so do school principals. And so do presidents. Everybody's going to let you down because everybody's messed up. Everybody is dysfunctional. And I'm not going to make any political statement about which statues should remain standing and which statues should be removed. Because all I know is if we start taking down statues of messed up, corrupted, fallen people, we got to take them all down, right? Everybody's messed up. There's only one person who deserves to be on a pedestal, and that's Jesus. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only model that we have that we should really try to model our lives after. You know, Admiral Stockdale, he, he was looking for that end, that better reality. So we got to stop putting our hope in this world. It's broken beyond repair. But there's something better. There's a better reality. And we got to believe that. That's what will help us prevail in the end. Do you want that? Do you have that kind of a hope? Look at how Paul goes on in Romans 1 to say this. They exchanged that truth of God for a lie. And that our, that's our world. That's our culture. It's a lot of lies. A lot of lies. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And I think that's where some of you may be, and that's certainly where our world is. We are worshiping the created instead of the creator. And so many of us have become okay with just being good enough because we have traded in God's dream for us, for the American dream. Again, I got my stuff, I got my car, and my job, and my security, and, and I'm good enough. But here's what I want for you. I want you to feel unhappy. I really do. I want you to feel some unhappiness about this world that we're settling for the way things are instead of the way things could be. I want you to feel disappointment in the human condition. I want you to feel disillusioned by human institutions. Because if we think that we can fix all this by putting our trust in politicians and protesters and educators and psychologists and scientists, we're in for a mess of trouble because they're just as messed up and flawed as everybody else. They are not the solution. I want you to sense a holy discontent that this is not the world God intended and that somebody better do something about it. And maybe that somebody ought to be me and you because really God's people are the only hope of the world. We're the only thing holding back more evil stuff happening because once you get rid of the conscience, which produces guilt, which restrains evil behavior, once you break down the family, which produces discipline that keeps evil behavior intact. Once you attack the, the force of government, you know, the outside restraints, all you got left is the church. And if we go down, it's all going down. So we got to get our acts together. You, you know how to change the world? You know what the solution is? It's the way of Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. It's the gospel. It's the good news that we can be made right with God. We can have peace with God and a changed heart through forgiveness, which leads us to have peace with other people. 
to love other people and to be at peace with them as far as it's possible with us. So look, I know we're not going to bring heaven to earth right now. That ain't happening. But can't we pray for a little bit more of kingdom come? Like Jesus prayed, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And who are the ones that are going to be doing the will of the Father? It's you and me. We can bring a little bit more of the kingdom to this earth as we live out his will. So it starts in your heart. How is your heart? Does your heart hurt over the harm and helplessness and hopelessness of this world? Did it hurt when you saw the injustice done in the killing of George Floyd and, and others? Did it hurt when you saw the violence break out in the streets and, and people being harmed uh, through, through the riots? Did, did, does it move your heart at all to see innocent babies thrown away? To see little boys and girls, thousands of them, being sold into trafficking? Does that move you at all, or, or have you let your heart grow numb? And I'll admit, there's times where I don't think about it, doesn't, doesn't cross my mind, because it's good enough. I got, I got my life, it's okay. I don't have to worry about that stuff. And I'm not saying, take on the burdens of the world, because you will be bummed out completely. You'll be, you'll be like in a, in a pit if you take on all the burdens. But does it move you at all to, to be concerned about them? Because look, if, if the church doesn't care... Where does that leave the world? That we just leave the world to its own solutions, which are doomed to failure because it's based on false hope. It's based on temporary relief. You can't change the world through purely worldly solutions. The church has got to care about this stuff. We know God cares because you go all the way back to the time when his people were in Egypt. He heard their cries in Exodus 3. He says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God is concerned. But do we hear the cries? And some of you are thinking right now, I don't know, should I be mad at what he's saying? No, come on, I'm not talking about political solutions at all. That's not the answer. What, what I'm concerned about is, are we as Christians more interested in putting out our political views than we are in sharing the gospel? Are we, are we more concerned about social solutions than we are about sharing the message of Jesus? That's all. I mean, when the church doesn't care, what's left? You, th you think about God's people way back in the Old Testament, over and over, they would just buy in to the culture around them. They look around and see everybody else doing good enough. And they say, well, we'll just do what they're doing. They'd forget about God. They'd become idolaters. They would, they would sin against God. They'd fall into this pattern where they would experience the horrific consequences of their sin. And then, only then, last resort, they'd cry out to God and God would rescue them. And it happened over and over and over, trading in God's eternal truth for these temporary trade-offs. Listen to what God told his people through the prophet Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all your idols, and I'll give you, here's the key, a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, of hardness, of coldness, that's numb, and give you a heart of flesh. Guess what? That only happened when he sent Jesus into the world. That's what he was looking forward to there. And people and society don't just need outward reform. We need inward repentance and renewal, a new spirit, a new heart. 
Because laws and force can't remove a heart of stone. Where is that heart of stone going to lead you? Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 6, Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, and what benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of, that former way of life, those things result in death, death, separation from God. Cut off. We were all slaves to our desires, which led us into oppression, which led us into uh, experiencing the consequences of that sin through uh, bitterness, hatred, anger, the cheapening of life, uh, the, the terrible effects of pornography, of addiction, of drugs, of fatherless homes and broken families. Listen to what this new heart does. He goes on, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, the way of Jesus. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result, the end game here, is eternal life. For these wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God says our hope is that we will prevail in the end. There will be a time when there will be goodness and love and justice and perfection, you will experience all that. But it ain't now, and it ain't here. It's in the new heavens and the new earth, the new world that's coming. But until then, we confront the brutal facts of our current reality by bringing a little bit more of heaven to this earth through carrying out God's will, the hope of the gospel. Like Admiral Stockdale found, if we, if we have that end hope, we can confront what we're dealing with now. I want you to listen to Paul one more time, 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We can look around and lose heart. We can be all discouraged and we can be all depressed and, and just give in to the hopelessness and despair and say, well, this is it. It is what it is. Nope. We don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, whatever we're going through right now, feels heavy, feels hard, but they're achieving for us that eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes, not on what's seen now, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what's seen, uh, unseen is eternal. So if you want the strength, the ability to face the current brutal facts of reality, to have hope, in the midst of this time and to give hope to others, then we got to fix our eyes on what is unseen, on God's eternal promises. Because, yeah, even though we're, we're wasting away right now, we're, we're struggling right now with these troubles, God's still given us a new heart, a new spirit, the Holy Spirit who rene renews us day by day. He refreshes us, and that's our hope in the world. So look, let's not ever settle for good enough. Because good enough ain't good enough. That's not God's best for us. Let's turn to the Creator. Let's share the Savior. Let's spread the love. Because church, this is our time to shine with truth and grace. Because we have a real hope that we'll prevail in the end. So if you're somebody who is yet to transfer your allegiance from yourself, from this world, to Jesus Christ, to repent of your wrong actions and behaviors and words and, and heart and be baptized into Christ, I got to confront you with the brutal facts of your current reality, which is that you are headed for hell. You are headed for that spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. 
And it doesn't do any good to look around and point the finger of blame at everybody else and, and to, to compare yourself to others. And, well, I'm good enough compared to them. God's going to let me into heaven because, you know, I'm, I'm good enough. No, you, being good enough isn't good enough. You've got to be forgiven. You've got to be made right in God's sight. Who needs to change? Every single heart. So don't settle for good enough. Cry out to God for more. Let this be your defining event where you make the best decision ever to follow Jesus. Let him put that new heart in you. In fact, Jesus calls it being reborn from above, right? Not just reform from the outside, not just a reboot of what was, but a whole new rebirth of being born of water and the Spirit. He says you cannot even enter heaven without that rebirth, and that comes from receiving Jesus as Savior, the only one who is perfect who is qualified to be your Savior, the only one who cared enough to, to love you enough to die for your sins, to give you eternal life because he rose from the dead. He wants that for you too. And so the promise is, Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So cry out to him for more. I mean, the promise is for you. And, and when you're baptized into Christ, you start that new life because he talks about, like in Ezekiel, I want to wash you with clean water. And when you're being baptized, you are being lowered into clean water like a bath. But what's happening is not an outward cleansing, it's an inward cleansing as the blood of Christ, his sacrifice, is sprinkled on your heart to cleanse you. So if you want to do that, if you want to talk to somebody about your next step, please reach out and let us know. You can text that number 734-304-7248 or email next at southpointccc.com. Somebody will help you with your next step, whether to trust Christ, to repent, to pray with you, to show you how to be baptized at home or to bring you in here any day of the week and you can be baptized right here. All right? But right now, let's pray. Let's do what he says and let's cry out to him. Lord, you are the only hope you are our only real solution. And so we cry out for you to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, Lord. That uh, just even all the sickness is still going on with COVID, God. That you would take it away. People would recover, prevent, and protect us from getting sick, Lord. Uh, we, we pray for all the unrest and all the violence and people not knowing how to express their anger or, or how to make things that are any better. God, I pray that you will point them toward you. God, that uh, you would just break our hearts over the things that break yours. God, for the, the genocide going on in, in places like Nigeria where our brothers and sisters are being slaughtered for their faith. God, protect them. Give them courage and boldness. God, help us to, to keep praying for them in India, China, elsewhere. God, for all the people who are experiencing the depression, leading them to think of, of suicide as the solution. God, rescue them from that. Deliver them from that. For the families that are struggling with, with um, abuse and, and addiction and, and uh, um, divorce and just all these different things that are rotting the foundations, God, I pray that they will turn to you and find their help, find their hope for a better future, God. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And that's a prayer we need to keep up on a regular basis, guys. Really do. So, look... Um, we really hope that you will come back next week. It's important because this is just the beginning, right? This desire for something better 
is not the end. It's just the beginning. Now we've got to talk about leaving the old behind if we want to enter the new. So next week, again, you don't have to sign up online ahead of time. Show up. Um, again, no Saturday service for July 4th. Uh, stay connected with us online all week long on social media. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Um, if you're here, we're going to be dismissing you as we have been to maintain social distancing from the back to the front. Uh, and then everybody, you know, have a wonderful week as you stay focused on the Lord and follow his word and invite a friend. Okay? God bless you guys.